I find it incredible how, and I shouldn't, but I do, how God brings the service together. Uh, last week we talked about and touched on some trippy, trippy, tricky topics in providence and sovereignty. And Nick at Communion Time shared about a partnership with Jesus. And, and today the main thrust of finishing our series on goals is faith. And Andrew shares about the father of faith. God has an amazing way of bringing a service together. Uh, God is in control. God has a plan. God is aware of your situation. God is so aware of your situation that this beautiful personal passage from Psalms that we finished with last week, I will instruct you and teach you. God is not outsourcing his care for you. God is caring for you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Listen to this. I will counsel you with my loving eye. This is a personal God who wants you to be aware that his love is like a loving eye upon you. Have you ever experienced the loving eye before? I have experienced sitting near my wife opposite and I've said something and she's given me the eye. It's a little bit loving and mostly, why did you say that? She didn't have to say a word. I knew exactly, but it was her loving eye. Another moment with my wife when I, I said something really nice and I wasn't really aware of it, I didn't really intend it, I just fluked it, and her loving eye came across me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Look at the person next to you. James, look at yourself. You know what I'm talking about. You have to be close to see the eye. Okay, you have to be close. If someone towards the back nods off, I can generally tell. I can tell for you too, Judith. But to see the loving eye, I have to be, there has to be a closeness. There has to be a, a nearness to capture the loving eye. This is the desire of our Heavenly Father. God is a personal, loving, self-involving, passionate, relational God. He's a Father. He's a Father. I, I want us to be a group of people who know what it is to hear God's voice and to know His loving eye, to be that close. And so we commit our works to the Lord. We submit and trust them to Him. And we trust that our plans will succeed as we respond to His will and guidance. That has been the text that we have spoken out of. So today I want to finish with faith. What are your faith goals? What are your faith goals for this year? What are your, what are your faith hopes for this year? And I'm going to just run through a slab of Scripture, a slab of Scripture, not a passage, a slab. In about three and a half weeks' time, if you're following the New Testament with us, you will come across these amazing passages. If you have opportunity this afternoon, I would encourage you to read through these particular chapters several times. But I want us to look at the headlines of this slab of Scripture from the perspective of faith. 
I'm simply going to express the headlines from a faith perspective. Heavenly Father, help us to hear your voice this morning. Help us to draw near to you that we might see your loving eye upon us. Lord, may we be soft-hearted and may change come into our lives because, Lord, you are the one who has the best plans for our life. Lord, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have a handout there that will help follow along and track. If we look at Mark chapter 4, we, we, we commence with one of the most well-known stories, the farmer, the sower. Now in an agricultural culture, sowing was, was very common, it was well understood. And so Jesus takes a very well understood process of the day and he says, you know what? You know what a farmer does? Just chucks the seed around? That's, that's like sharing the word of God with others. Do you see how the farmer goes about it? The, the farmer chucks out the seed and some falls and doesn't do well and some falls there and doesn't do so well and some grows but doesn't fruit. And, but there's, there's somewhere it just, the seed just grows to its fullest potential and there's just a harvest. And, and, and so sometimes I, I, I think that we get worried about sharing God with others because we're not sure of the soil. But this parable very clearly says, don't worry about that, just, just sow, just sow, just sow and share the Word of God. Share the Word of God with others. Take God's Word to others. And then the parable morphs into this idea of listening and understanding, growing in understanding of the Word. As you begin to take what Jesus says and, and the Word of God into your heart, you grow in understanding and this transformation takes place. The seed of God's Word gets hold in our hearts and grows. And to those where it grows, it continues to grow more because that seed produces a crop of 30 and 60 and 90 and 100 so it's important that we engage in two things. One is we engage with the Word of God in our own hearts. And two, we have the courage to sow the Word of God around about us. Then Jesus talks about how this, this, this Word of God, it, it just grows. We don't have to understand it. You know, someone when they give their heart to the Lord or, or there's a moment where, where something happens in their life and they respond to Jesus, we don't completely know how it works. Who here has got salvation completely sorted out? We don't really know how it works. We just know that, it, that by faith it happens. And I was reminded of this especially as Harry came to the Lord. He, by his culture and his own personality, he wanted to understand everything first. And there came this moment where he couldn't understand it, but he just accepted it and knew. Faith just grew. God's Word just grew in his heart. Didn't know how didn't know why God chose that moment. I was as surprised as he was. But it did. And then Jesus says, you know what? This, this God's word, this seed, 
it, it might seem small, but as it grows, it, it gets huge. In fact, it gets so big that it becomes a shelter for so many. This is how Mark chapter 4 begins. The first thing I would say is that we need to have faith in God's Word and the calling to sow. We are each called to sow, to scatter the seed. And too often we get worried about, is it rocky here or is it not good there? How's it going to be received? How's, are they going to respond? It seems as though the farmer's not worried about that. The farmer just sows. We need to have faith in God's Word, in the sowing of God's Word. And secondly, we need to have faith in God's Word itself. We need to take it in. The passage continues from Mark 35 and and Jesus says, and I want you to note what Jesus says specifically about this time in the boat in verse 35. He says, let's cross. And so they're in the boat, they're, they're, they're crossing, it's a bit like a ferry crossing, it's a bit like a, a trip maybe from you know, Australia to New Zealand. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise before, anyone been on a cruise here? You know, it's a bit rocky and it's a bit, the waves are strong and the storm is big and, and Jesus is sleeping and the disciples like, they are expert boat people. They know how to read the ocean. And if they're worried, we should be worried. You know, if I'm worried, take it with a grain of salt. What do I know about the ocean? There's fish in there? Maybe I'll catch one? But the disciples knew what was happening, and they raced in and woke up Jesus, and their cry was, Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care about us? Jesus... Aren't you aware? Jesus, do you really know what's happening to us? Don't you care? That's the second thing. We need to have faith in God's care. Because there are moments in our life where we we do feel that God doesn't care for me. We really do feel that. It's like everything is stacked against us. We're an expert in our field and even in that field... It's hard work, so hard that I'm not sure if I can get through it. God, do you even care? We need to have faith in God's care for us. The passage of Scripture goes on in Mark 5 and and it begins with this amazing interaction between an evil spirit and Christ. As soon as Christ gets onto land, this, this man possessed with incredible power, by the power of darkness is, is breaking chains that are placed on him to restrain him. This, this man is uncontrollable. And Jesus comes in and, and with his power, he breaks the power of darkness. And this man is set free. Incredible confrontation and story. Jesus is never rattled. Jesus is so on top of it, he even talks to the evil spirit. This spirit is so scared of Jesus It would rather be placed into 2,000 pigs and kill itself over the cliff. You know, some people are so scared of Jesus, I'd rather go anywhere. I'd rather do anything else. But even if it means going into pigs, I live on a freight route. The pig trucks pass, we know it. They stink. 2,000 pigs in one place, they would stink. And so Jesus just has this encounter, his power overcomes and then the people in the area who own the pigs have lost their business. They don't really care about the power of Christ. They're not really fussed that this man has been restored. All they care about is their bacon that they lost. 
you know, the pork chop that ran over the side. 2,000 pigs, that is a lot of pork barreling. So they say, Jesus, just go. They reject him. And then the one who was released from this demonic possession, what does this one do? This one straight away goes into the area and sows the word of God. Straight away. Straight away. And so as Jesus continues in what I would say this power chapter is, Mark 5, Jesus experienced someone calling for Jesus. My daughter is sick. She's going to die. Jesus, I, I, I need you to help. And so Jesus responds to the call. And on the way to the call, there's another woman who's reaching for Jesus, who's reaching for herself. And she receives healing. She receives healing. So one person's calling on behalf of another, and another woman, another person's reaching for help. We need to have faith in God's power. Do you have faith in God's power? Do you have faith? In God's power. The story continues. Jesus goes in amongst his hometown. You know, hometown heroes welcome. Mary cooks his favorite meal, watches his favorite TV show, he's got his favorite chair. The Bible doesn't say that. I'm exaggerating. Jesus goes into his hometown and 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 he experiences unbelief. He's, he's exercising his authority, but the unbelief of the people who he's ministering to is designated as unbelief, and he can't perform many miracles. He can't perform many miracles. So how does Jesus respond to this? He gets his disciples and he says, hey, you know my authority, the same authority that didn't have much effect here because they didn't believe? I want you to go in my authority, two by two, into the surrounding towns. And I, and I want you to preach the good news, call repentance. I want you to, to heal the sick and see people released from demonic oppression. So these disciples who were with Jesus just watched all this happen. Gee, what's happened to Christ? Can't do many miracles. Where's his authority? Jesus responds straight away. Okay, take my authority and go out. And what happens? His disciples go out and people repent. And, and there's, there's people who are healed and there are... There's, there's, there's people who are free from demonic oppression. Free from demonic oppression. We have to have faith in God's authority. You see, in, in one sense, we can deny His authority and live in unbelief. But on the other side, we can, we can take His authority and live in His authority and see the kingdom grow and expand. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about necessarily a relationship that matters when it comes to Christ. It's do you have faith? Do you have faith? Jesus' own brothers and sisters, he was just Jesus. But the disciples, they had a different setup. And this is a balance that I believe Christians, we need to walk carefully because, you know what? Jesus is my brother, he's my friend, I'm a son of God, but I'm also a disciple. I'm also a child under authority. I, I need to be careful with those things. Yes, I can go into God's throne room with boldness, but I've, I've got to be there with humility as well. I can't just waltz in and say, G'day, God. <whistles> How you going? Doesn't, doesn't, we, we, we know that, but I reckon that's sometimes how we do live our life. 
We need to have faith in the authority of God. The passage continues and there's this terrible loss, this terrible grief as their friend John the Baptist is killed. And again, note the second time they hop into the boat. Verse 31, Jesus says, let's go off. Just want you to remember, first time, let's cross. Second time, let's go off. And so what's happened is Jesus recognises, the disciples recognise that they're a bit tired, that they're a bit hungry. They've been on the go. And now they've had this grief. And so the idea is to, is to just have a break, have a long weekend, have some time off. And in, in the midst of the process of having time off, the people keep coming to Jesus. They don't stop. They keep coming. And Jesus... Ah, it's my dramatic version of the Bible... Jesus turns and begins to minister to these folk. And I could imagine the disciples are sitting there going, let's just get out of here. We had our travel plans, we missed our flight. Now I've got to pay a fee to change my seats. The hotel's now full, we have to find another hotel when we get there. Will I have Wi-Fi? And Jesus looks at them and says, Guys, you feed them. You feed them. You feed them. You you talking to me? Yeah, you feed them. The disciples are hungry and they're asked to feed while they're hungry. Have you ever felt like that before? You ever been in that place before? We need to have faith in God's provision. We need to have faith that God will provide that when there is no chance that we can do it. We, we know that my credit card will not pay for all of the Ubers in the world to come to this place to feed 5,000. It's impossible. We just have to have faith in God's provision. We just have to trust that God will provide, that when God calls us to do something, that He will provide. And so this amazing feeding of the 5,000 occurs And you never believe what happens next. They jump back into the boat. But I want you to note something very specific. The first two times they hopped in the boat, Jesus said, let's go, let's go. This time, Jesus insisted. Jesus compelled. The disciples have had enough. They are not interested. Now, let me just paint the picture for you. You've been flat out working. You were asked to do something that was impossible. Jesus feeds everyone and you feel like an idiot again. And you're still tired. You haven't had the long weekend sleep in. And now Jesus wants you to get in a boat at the end of the day and row, probably during the night. Is that really what you want to do? And I can tell you this, that the disciples did have a nibble on the bread and fish. It was anchovies. Who loves anchovies? I'm an anchovy fan. Anchovies rule the world. One day, we will rule the world. I reckon it was anchovies and bread and they had it. They they were chockers. They were full. So they're tired and they're full. What do you want to do? Can we say it louder so that anyone who's got their eyes closed now will wake up? They wanted to sleep. They were... They'd finished, they were comfortable, they were full, but they were still tired. 
And what did Jesus say? Get in the boat and row. And the disciples thought, no, no, no. So Jesus insisted. Jesus compelled them. And so they hopped in the boat. Jesus goes off to pray on his own. And they were on this boat and, and there was just trouble on the water again. Jesus, we've got to stop going in these boats. We've got to check the tides. We've got to make sure that the wind is down. What is happening here? And they're rowing hard and rowing hard and it's just not going well. And then Jesus walks by. And it's Jesus who says, hey, I'm here, take courage. It's Jesus who comes to them and says, take courage, I'm here. And the word says that the disciples' hearts were hardened. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus had to insist because their hearts were hardened. They'd had miracle after miracle, experience of experience. They had witness after witness of, of seeing what Jesus would do and could do, yet still their hearts were hardened. And Jesus needs to insist that they hop in the boat. We need to have faith in God's strength. Because I can tell you this, that, that there are times where we do not have the strength. And there is a big battle going on and we are feeling weak and we are feeling like we're in a hard place right now. And, and, and the battle is raging on and I need strength, but there's nothing in me left. I have nothing left. Do you have faith in God's strength? Yeah, faith in God's strength. And then, of course, they get out of the boat and they do all sorts of amazing things. And the very next thing that happens in Mark 7 is they engage with the Pharisees. Jesus had a few engagements with the Pharisees. A lot has happened between the start of chapter 4 and now. And you would think the Pharisees would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what you're doing is unbelievable. Like, we've been having a go at this whole repentance you know, help people who are struggling for a long time. It hasn't really worked. Jesus, can you help us? Is that what the Bible says in that part of the passage? No. You know, you know what they say? They say, Jesus, listen, just notice that the disciples aren't washing the hands with, you know, the antibacterial cream, you know, the, the, the proper alcohol one. They're not using that one. And they're using old towels to wipe... They're not following the process. They're not honouring what we've done in the past. That's what they're interested in. And then Jesus responds with this very important passage. They honour me with their lips. They honour me with their process. They honour me with what they think they're doing, but their hearts are hard. Their hearts are far from me. We need to have faith in God's presence. Because it's in God's presence that our hearts are softened. It's in God's presence. It's with God. It's with God face to face. When we can see the eye of the Lord, where we're aware of His voice, it's in those moments that our heart has the opportunity to be softened. Otherwise, we end up with hard hearts. The disciples and the Pharisees, their hearts were hardened. So what does this mean for us? Well, maybe some goals for this year, faith goals. Maybe you could have a goal to bring your heart closer to God this year. Maybe you could take a step. You could put a plan in place. I want to be closer to God this year. I want my heart to be closer to God this year. Maybe it's a sense of weakness. 
You, you just know you need God's strength. You know you don't have the energy. You know you're out of the emotional energy, the mental energy, the physical energy. You've got nothing left. Maybe this year is the year where you bring your weaknesses to God. Maybe that's a faith goal for you where, you, where you decide not to claw back into some cubbyhole or some cave, but you take your stand and you say, Lord, I've got nothing. God, I know that if I'm weak, you're strong. That is a statement of faith. Maybe a faith goal could be to bring your lack to God. Maybe you feel like you don't have the time, you don't have the resources, you don't have the capacities. Maybe bring your lack to God. Bring that to Him. Cry out to Him. Have faith in that area. Maybe it, it, it's a desire to use God's authority, the authority that God has given to each and every one of us, to step into a situation where you speak with the authority of Christ into something, whether it's through prayer, whether it's with a friend, whether it's into a work situation, where you take the authority of Christ and you proclaim something of His promises. Maybe that's your faith goal for this year. Or what about maybe witnessing God's power? Isn't it great when you see someone get saved? Isn't it great when you see someone baptized? Isn't it amazing when you see someone who had a problem and, 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 and then the problem went, God intervened and something happened? Isn't it amazing when a healing takes place to witness God's power, God at work in the lives of people? It's wonderful to be around. It's wonderful to be near. Maybe you could get alongside someone and witness God at work in their life. Maybe you could be with someone and have that opportunity to witness what God is doing in and through them and stand with them and be with them. Maybe this year you need to soften your heart and, and just have faith that God does care about you. He, he really does. He's interested in your needs. You're not alone. You're not on your own. Christ is with you. And finally... Maybe this year is an opportunity to grow in your understanding of God's Word. Maybe this is a year where you decide to sow God's Word. You're not, so, you're not concerned with where the seed falls. You're just saying, Lord, I'm going to be like that farmer. I'm just going to sow. I'm going to let you take care of your seed. And I'm just going to be the sower. Finish. With Mark, 60, with Mark 6, 45. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat. Why was it on this occasion Jesus had to compel his disciples? After everything that had happened, why? I don't know where you are this morning. I'm aware of some of the things that are happening, but I don't always know what's happening in here, but, but the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit's well aware of what's happening in your life. What is Jesus insisting upon you this morning? Maybe Jesus is insisting something that he's been insisting for a long time. What is it that he's insisting upon you? I want to say that when the disciples accepted the insistence of Jesus, they had the opportunity to again grow in their faith. Let this year be a year where your faith grows. Let this year be a year where you intentionally grow in your faith your trust in God. I like this phrase. What are you resisting that Jesus is insisting? What are you resisting that Jesus is insisting? Faith and obedience. What is your faith goal? What is your I go? 
then you go to that nursing home with faith, Judith. Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to Him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to His will and guidance. I pray that this year you would have some faith goals. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, may we choose this day to respond to your insistence. Lord, your insisting call to be a disciple who follows you. Lord, may we not resist in any way, but may we respond and follow you and grow in faith. Lord, may we accept that you do have the best plans for us. Lord, may we be close to you that we can see your loving, counselling eye upon us. Help us, Lord. We want to be people of faith. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.